Hey, this is Dag, and you're listening to Beyond Trek Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond Trek Podcast. In the room today, I've got Renzo and Big J. We're here to talk to you about Prodigy's first season, eighth episode, Time Amok. Why does that name sound familiar? Because it's switched from Amok Time, original series, episode. We didn't get any of that really? this episode. Yeah. None of that music at all. I was expecting that. I'm going to be honest, when I first saw the title before I watched the episode, I really thought this was going to be like the sex ad episode. I thought this was going to be like, oh, so this <laughs> is how the birds and the bees work because it's Whoa, a kid goodness. show and they flip the name. It, it is a kid show. We need to work on it. Uh, hey, but before before we get too far in. Hold on. I'm still laughing at that one. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Let me finish laughing. So a few weeks ago, Dag, I don't know what it was. We had a two-hour recording podcast. Oh you were eating the whole time what kind of feast did you have in front of you that took two hours to go through i am I'm, I'm looking at this guy like oh, he is still eating so in honor of you I've, I've got my i've got some cake and ice cream right here so i figure i mean if it takes I, you two hours to eat ice cream that's going to be terrible like finish well, well that off. I, i'm just i'm just thinking <laughs> i'll i'll eat this time since bag was eating but no, really what what did you have uh, so I had a baked potato with chili and uh, stew beef. And that's it. I just had a big ass bowl not, of baked potato was, and chili and stew beef. I thought maybe you had some gawk or something else in there. That must have been a big ass bowl. It two was hours? A, it was a pretty big bowl, but I mean, like it was freezing by the time I finished it two hours later because we were talking the whole time. <laughs> I had to go on mute several times just to like just to chew and because metal yeah. fork on porcelain bowl is loud oh ow yeah yeah well I'll just I won't talk my mouth full that's okay well try not to I don't to. know if I will or not I don't have I, all I have is water today so. you don't have any food in front of you no. Renzo I mean I could eat this oh, no food this time for me I can't I cannot eat a pencil no um, I mean, you could. Uh, it's frowned upon. I, yeah, you could. Well, I'm not. I'm not Murph. I wouldn't be able to get away with like the photon grenade chow down either. So I'm not going to try that. But today, um, we start out with one of the best holodeck cameo moments I've seen in a very long time. In a way to get this team to cooperate, Renzo. So, they're doing the classic puzzle question. You have a rooster, a fox, and a bag of grain. grain. They need to yeah, grain. They need to get across a river. And in the boat, you can only carry one at a time to go across the river. How do you get across all three? Now, I have a coworker, uh, a colleague who asked this question when we do interviews of potential employees. He asked this and he draws it on a chalkboard or like a like with a dry erase marker just to see if we can get the person to, to think through it. And uh, he loves asking this question. So I've definitely seen many a person who is very intelligent be like, wait, I don't understand. It's impossible. You can't do this. I'm like, no, no, no. Think it through, man. And, you know, it happens. But it's a classic one. I think it's easy. I Am I the only one? It's okay. So first you take the... Um fox 
Chicken eats the you... grain. Okay, so wait a minute. So once you once you start the clock, well, not not if they're no, he's does it right. Count if they're sitting on the banks or the, just you cannot leave the chicken and the grain alone together, and you cannot leave the fox and the chicken alone together. So you have to take the chicken across first. So yeah, chicken. The, the fox and the grain chilling. You bring the chicken uh -huh. across. You go back. You get the grain. You bring the grain across. You grab the chicken. You bring it back. You grab the fox. You bring it over. Now you've got the fox and the grain on the other side. Then you grab the chicken and go back. The, yes. the mental gymnastics that you need to figure out while doing it is that there is nothing preventing you from taking something across and then taking something back. And taking right. multiple trips. Yeah, well, it definitely requires multiple trips. The boat can only carry one thing. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. If you take the fox first, you left the green behind with the chicken. Okay. Yep. But, yeah, so it's a, it's a fun little riddle that just makes you, like, approach it from a slightly unexpected angle. So, yeah, it's it's a good little training simulation. I get why the Janeway hologram was running the kids through this, uh, especially when she's trying to get them to work together because in the holodeck version of this, Somebody needs to physically restrain the fox. Someone else has to physically restrain the chicken. Just, just to make it work. So, teamwork. Okay, Okay. so did you restrain the chicken or you got to choke the chicken? I'm going to use restrain because, you know, I'm not a 10-year-old boy. It shouldn't be one of those nights, but... <laughs> mm, TV, TV7 just went out the window. Sorry, uh, yeah, so the fox is adorable, though. They they did really good animatics on it for the for the animals here. The chicken reminded me of the one from Moana, to be honest. Yeah, I got those vibes too. I don't remember the chicken in Moana. Oh yeah, I do. Okay, yep. You're and right. then okay. the annoying one that walked off the boat and such. It's just such an idiot chicken. But it, <laughs> Murph ends up with the boat in this one. This uh, this planet, by the way, reminded me a lot of the one that Molly and the O'Briens visited in Time's Orphan. Uh, yeah, it seems very it idyllic. Does. It could have been like something in like could have been something in The Hobbit. It could have been something in like uh, Winnie the Pooh books. Like it looks like something like from one of those childhood locations. Yeah, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, you could totally have been in Narnia. Yeah. I thought it looked familiar, and you're right, Dag. I was thinking, where have I seen this? And that was the O'Brien vacation, where they lost their daughter in a time vortex, and she came out it feral. It wasn't enough for one O'Brien to suffer. This summer, all O'Briens suffer. <laughs> but we'll do that episode. Yeah. Later. So as far as this episode <laughs> is concerned, the test does not go well because the team has, according to the hologram kind of fallen apart since their failure in their first contact mission in the previous episode. So they are unable to keep control of the animals while all on the same side of the of the river. And the the fox goes for the chicken and then Dal ends the hollow program. And poor it Murphs looked like Zero was gonna anymore. figure it out, which was nice. Hmm? Oh poor Murphs just the boat disappears out from under him and he's so sad. <laughs> Okay, I <clears throat> I got beef. Oh no. Okay. What's the beef? Big J's beef. I got beef. Okay. So up until this point, this group working as a team or a group seemed to be a lot more capable of things and, and tasks already prior. Now suddenly 
they can't manage to keep a fox and a chicken uh, contained, I think that's kind of a little bit of a stretch. Like, yeah, we can operate a starship together, but not this. So the starship mostly operates itself. That's what the Janeway hologram does, right? Mm -hmm. But Janeway makes a real point of saying that, like, since the previous episode where they failed in their first contact, they've stopped trusting each other. So this isn't, like, any sort of big, long-running thing. It's just one episode before. So, I don't know. It seems plausible to me that you could have been working together beforehand, then you lose faith in each other because of this one bad event, and then somebody needs to help you rebuild it, which is what this training was supposed to do. Okay. All right. It's good. I like it. It's good stuff. And there's the, uh, the but, sauce but yeah, for I really the like that zero. <laughs> sauce for the goose. Uh, this isn't Star Trek Six. It's Jay's beef. <laughs> but yeah, I really like that zero my... was the one to figure it out too, because zero is definitely on the right track. But there's nothing that says we have to leave it there or bring something back. Yes, you got it, zero. You figured this out. So. Yeah, there's definitely. I would say there's there's some inconsistency in the way that some of the characters are portrayed, but honestly, I'm thinking about the audience and how much sometimes lessons need to be repeated, and so I'm rolling with that um, in 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 this situation with this show. That's how I feel it. There, there's a lot of I mean, stuff. As a just... reminder, right? Kids shows typically do a lot of repetition. Right. So... Right. Yeah, no, this uh, this has been pretty good for the quality that we're getting, and we're still getting really good, um, you know, really good sharing of feelings and connection like that that other shows may not do as much. So, uh, I'm I'm totally on board with Prodigy being a show for kids. Don't let the recce say otherwise. I'm I'm gonna hear some more about that. Tell our audience, Reckies. The Reckies. Yeah, tell us about the uh, term you coined. The Reckies are just... Is that like those people from the Transformers movie, the people from, like, the Junkion planet? Is that what they are? No, no. um, (laughs) You you may have heard us on the show talk about Trekbeards every once in a while, and we use it in a way to talk about the people who have nothing better to do but hate on every variant of new Star Trek and romanticize all the old ones, even though your hosts here have lived through the eras of everybody dissing TNG, TS9, mm-hmm. Voyager, Enterprise. The the hallmark of, of being a Star Trek fan is enduring um, the assault of people who love to hate Star Trek, who I call the Wreckies. If we're the Trekkies and they want to wreck it, they're the Wreckies. That's just what I'm going with. But uh, for the audience who isn't cringing, we can move forward. <laughs> <laughs> Tuvix, does Did you guys tu- catch that? Does Tuvix have beef? He's snoring at the moment. I was just wondering if he caught that sound. No. No, I can't hear him snoring. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Anyways, but yeah, so Dal ends the hollow program. Murph dis- discovers that his boat wasn't a real boat. He's a sad little blob. Uh, and we move on to a slightly progressing scene from that. So we go to Dal kind of letting loose the fact that they aren't really Starfleet cadets because they stole the ship, and he kind of storms off. The Janeway hologram legitimately seems surprised, and then Zero goes, hold on, let me explain. Uh, Cut. And the scene cuts there. Yeah. So we don't know exactly what Zero explained, but Zero seems to be the most 
empathetic and best communicator in the team, maybe. By so, far. Yeah, I think Gwyn might sometimes be better than him, but generally speaking, Zero is amazing for this. So, yeah. It looks like Janeway got the proper explanation, the context for, we stole this ship. So, that's good. Yep. Alright, our next scene is go... cutting back to... Oh. Go ahead. No, it's the it's the ship. You're I was you're right. I, the cut to the ship. I I was getting dredge vibes. Every time I see this ship, I think of the dredge from Titan AE. Have you seen that movie? For sure. Yeah, no, movie. it definitely looks like it. Yeah, it feels like just like a dredge energy ship. It's really cool. From the outside, yeah. From the inside, it doesn't look that same oh. kind of like energy crystal thing. No, no, no. But yeah, sure. the outside looks like the dredge mm-hmm. mothership for sure. Yeah. All right, so inside, it. <laughs> uh, it's worth seeing. If not, if for nothing else, in the soundtrack, the soundtrack for that movie is great. I have a lot of those songs on my playlist, but the cast was really good too. And Matt yep. Damon was yep. in that, wasn't he? Yep, Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, Drew Barrymore, uh, Tom Leguizamo, Nathan Lane. That's just who, who I remember. Who's the girl the Stith? Oh, that's Jeanette Garofalo. Yeah, Janine Garofalo. Janine. Yeah. Oh, curses! I failed again. <laughs> no, you got me. You got me out the rest of the name because I couldn't think of it. All right, cool. So we're back on the Rev Twelve, and we've got Dreadnought talking to the Diviner. They're talking about how the bounty that they placed on uh, finding information on the Protostar has only given them wastes of time, nothing concrete, and they get a contact from Damon Nandi from the previous episode, who offers a legitimate uh, explanation as to where the protostar is and proves that uh, she knows what she's talking about by bringing up the fact that the protostar has a hold full of chimerium which no one would know if not that they hadn't encountered the ship right did, did i miss or did we ever establish how this fringy came to be in the delta quadrant has nope. not been established just okay here you go fringy delta quadrant Straight yeah, back. but she's been there for 30-plus years or so, it seems. Yeah, because she raised Dahl, and she's very familiar mm-hmm. with all of these places, and she knew enough about that previous planet to really jeopardize it. Yeah. But yeah, so she shares the location, and then comes this terse exchange between Dreadnought and the Diviner about, like, well, they're so far away, it'll take us months to get there. Well, there's other things we can do with now that we know exactly where they are, and we see a transmission that causes the vehicle 3D printer, the vehicle replicator, on the Protostar to start doing something, and we see a lot of uh, the Diviner script flashing on the screen. It was cool to see that script. Printer. Agreed. Did you like that that close-up? I thought it was really fascinating that they're using like a transmitted hack that could have been dormant inside of the protostar to do this i thought that was a really cool twist it makes me wonder if that's how they did it the first time though i mean i don't know sent the specs over to 3d print another version of uh general grievous <laughs> so my thought is that instead of transmitting like code to do the the amount of data it would take to replicate the whole body they mm-hmm. actually used like a back door of like okay this vulnerability was already there we know it's there we put it there because we've had access to the source code of the ship for a while back when we 
must have had it after Chakotay. Right. So we know how to use this. We're just going to tell it to begin the print and upload a a compressed version of Dreadnought's like set consciousness to it. Mm -hmm. Or we already had a backup on the ship. Also possible. Though he seems to know stuff that that for that that wouldn't make sense. Maybe a delta then. So it's like here's the old consciousness. Here's the updates to that consciousness. That would work. Yeah, instead of having to transmit the whole program, you just transmit a, a an SF or a, oh, an SFX update. Yeah, yeah, a software update could totally be it. But yeah, it just goes further into this theory that we've had from the last few episodes and confirmations from the last few episodes that uh, the Diviner or his people have had access to the Protostar in the distant past or in the past rather, and uh, they have definitely modified its computers to some degree. Well, so, they probably could have left behind a copy of the, uh, you know, of the guy's programming, or, or that's what we're saying. They, yeah, yeah. Right. So, with directives to just wreak havoc it's, on things. Well, he, did, he didn't wreak havoc, right? Like that's the thing, because he knew that uh, Gwyn had betrayed the Diviner. Uh, when Dreadnought gets printed later in the episode, he knows a mm -hmm. lot of the current events. So he must have definitely gotten if if they didn't send the whole consciousness of Dreadnought, they sent like updates or something right. to this thing. Yeah. So it yeah. It's very interesting to me that they just now decided to use this. Like, why wouldn't they do this when they were missing Prometheus for all those years? Why didn't they do this when Prometheus was about to go to Proto Speed, but you know, was still within close range? Go ahead. Proto Star, not Prometheus. Did I say Prometheus? You said Prometheus. Twice. Y yeah. Son of a yeah. gun! I'm fired! I'm thinking about message in a bottle, my right. man. Wrong ship. Well, and I am thinking about message in a bottle because of the way they're sending data. It's been in my head. So, no, anyway. No, I think that that's an apt comparison. The Protostar had this backdoor file in there. They activated it. It starts 3D printing uh, homie, homie Grievous. And why didn't they do this before? There's my beef. Why didn't they do this when Protostar was lost or when Protostar was about to get away? So let's look at Message in a Bottle. Remember how mm -hmm. they had to locate the ship that was inside of the the transmission area of the uh, Herogen satellite grid, right? And how they were afraid that if it moved outside of the grid, even if they could still reach it, the signal might be too degraded. Right, they had to rush and Maybe, get the doctor transmitted. Right. Exactly. They had to be like, we can't write a new program for this. We're just going to have to send the doctor kind of thing, right? Okay. Maybe it's something similar here where you have to know exactly where something is uh, and you have to have, like, ideal communications between you and it, like clear subspace, whatever. Uh, otherwise, your signal might get too degraded and won't work. Okay. Well, doesn't that also work off of line of sight? Maybe they didn't have the time or they didn't think about using it while they were, like, actively chasing it. Uh-huh. They have well, to know yeah. where the protostar is before they can send the message. So that's why they, they couldn't send it while it was lost. Right? It's probably like a point-to-point -point radio beam, for lack of a, of a better Yeah, term. it's got to be like a tight beam transmission that is very high density. Right. And so, it requires good signal strength, I guess. The only, right. the only outlier there is when protostar was about to be consumed by the ship and then it engaged the, the system, why didn't they trigger it? And so we don't know how long they had to do it at that point. Maybe they didn't realize that the ship was about to jump away fast, so they just didn't do that. My my thinking was the spinning up of the Protostar 
energy may have circumvented any kind of transmission like that. Sure, they're able to talk to them on the screen, but here we're trying to send an, an update package for a very complex software AI. That would be much more complex, difficult. Yeah, I mean, there might be, uh, what do you call it, interference simply because they were at like warp nine or whatever when they did it. Yeah, radio frequencies and comms, those are tuned to filter out that kind of energy, but a 3D printed file, not gonna happen. Well, and their core is pretty much a neutron star anyway, and don't neutron stars emit their own radio uh, wavelengths? Neut so Neutron radiation is real, but it's encased in that thing. And they even mention it kind of in this episode where they say that the, uh, the casing for the protostar itself uh, prevents the protostar from consuming the ship. So it may also, ship. It may yes. also block out that radiation. You're right, also because... right, though, Big J. Neutron mm -hmm. stars in the real world do put out a shit ton of radio interference. So, right. If, so yeah. it, it's that radio inter interference I'm thinking about, like not radiation, because I, I'm assuming that this thing still operates at least on the same concept of warp drive with the warp bubble. It's not the ship that's moving. It's the space, space that's it. being warped right around it. So this proton drive... Yeah. I would think is still creating some kind of super high warp the space in front of you sort of thing. And so even though you don't have any radiation, it's got to be emitting, uh, emitting something. And it can just be as, as little as bursts of radio frequency that, that does it because it's natural to a neutron star. But you're right, there must have been... Yeah, you know. I think interference is possible. I think honestly, just because of the timeline for when they were the Rev Twelve was chasing the Protostar, mm -hmm. they just didn't have time for it. They just didn't think to do it at that moment because Correct. they thought they were just going to capture the ship and then out of nowhere, the kids figured out how to use the high speed yeah. uh, shit and then gone. And the Diviner yeah. was emotionally compromised in that conversation. He was trying to get Gwen to turn over the ship. So I go with that. Welcome to Beyond Minutia Star uh, Podcast. <laughs> Cool. So our next scene is Gwyn and Jenkin Pog like staring out the window at this pretty purple and blue cloud. Uh, and Gwyn warns Jenkin that uh, be careful, tachyon storms tend to mess with gravity, so make sure your feet stay on the floor. And Jenkin immediately realizes the danger that this poses because gravity is what's used to contain the proto stars, proto star. So. Proto core. Uh, yeah, the core for the protostar's drive, whatever. So he immediately goes shit, 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 and scampers off to engineering to go try and prevent anything from going haywire. Uh, I thought that was a good scene, because it shows that Jankum, even though he's the ship's mechanic, ship's engineer, he is definitely thinking proactively about like the, the safety of the ship and crew. It's just too bad he didn't really communicate or express that to Gwyn very far. We could have changed course. Well... Or maybe I mean, the I, storm was heading for them and there was no choice. Like, too big. It's I mean, my, sometimes the easy. Sometimes you can't dodge a storm. Sometimes you just have to go through it. But it yeah. May, yeah, it may have been too large to go around. Kind of like when uh, Voyager finally came across Borg space. There's no way in hell they could mm -hmm. go around it. They had to go through it. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Gotta go through it. Yep. So, same thing with this with the storm i mean you're right it well but at 
right at that point, yeah, yeah, I I don't think it would have been too late to reverse no. course, but I agree. I agree. They probably could have just changed course, but nobody was talking to anybody at that moment, so nobody called the bridge to be like, "Hey, change direction." And right. then, literally yeah. a couple minutes later, it was too late. Right. Lack of teamwork again. I'm just gonna say the right. storm. The storm was probably expanding. A bunch of things fell into that mix there. Yeah. Um, so tachyon graphics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Looked really great. Yeah, it did. Like a rave in space. <laughs> I was going to say it looked like an artwork, like actual brush strokes almost in it. It was very pretty. That's yeah, how I, I felt about the art for the whole show. The whole show feels like somebody up and took like the acrylic palette on Corel paint and just poof threw that in Blender and made a really awesome color scheme. Is Corel even it. still a thing? Is what still Can't a thing? Be. You said Corel paint? I don't know anything about that. What's the next scene? <laughs> okay, so our next scene is Jake and Pog in engineering and Hologram Janeway pops up being like, I'm getting some weird readings from the drive. And Jake and Pog goes, I know, I'm trying to prevent it from blowing up. Leave me alone, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he's not fast enough because it lets off a eerie purple expanding pulse that we see go through the entire ship. Yeah. And it phases Janeway a lot like that uh, that scene with that phased Kira in um, Children of Time, DS9. Or like dual business yeah. happening. Oh. I was trying to think of, remember what, what scene you're talking about, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. How, how did this affect a hologram, though? That's what I'm having a hard time with. Uh, Holograms have force fields, so they're physically there. But yeah. you're still talking about energy converted to matter. I mean, we gravity affects energy. How uh, gravity? Yes, but this this pulse and, it, and to the degree that it pushes this hologram. You know what happened? And then that, yeah, I've got it in my head. Okay, so. Spoiler alert, as we're going to talk about the rest of the episode before we get there, but the ship is bro the ship ends up broken into several distinct time periods, right? right. Time is flowing differently in, in different segments of the ship. Now, Janeway is a program attached to the ship's computer, and while the ship's computer is getting split six ways, Janeway is also getting split six ways. It would be like taking one of your cell phones and then splitting the cell phone into six different cell phones that exist in different time periods, the local, the, the local computer informs the Janeway in engineering that she exists in this place and time, whereas the computer for Dahl or Gwen or Rock Talk, that computer is informing those hologram variants of their time frame, so to speak. So each so, variant exists in its own time frame. That makes sense to me, but it, here's what I wanted to bring up. So there's an episode of a TV show called Farscape that does this same concept really well. The name of the episode there is Through the Looking Glass. It's from their first season. The ship in this case, which is a living ship called Moya, goes to FTL faster than light without proper planning or saving up of energy. So it kind of just starts and then gets kind of stuck. Uh, because it did so in such a way, the ship is split into three parts. Uh, they're not temporal or temporarily distinct from each other. 
but they are uh, from a sense of like how you experience it different from each other. In one place, there is a perpetual like noise that hurts, and in another place, you can't see because the vision hurts you. And in the other last one, uh, it affects how you think, right? So it's the ship is split into multiple pieces. You can get between piece to piece, uh, but the fix ends up being get people on all three ships, three ships to push reverse at the same time to pull us backwards slightly, and that should force them to remerge. It's a very similar premise to what we're seeing in this episode, and it's one of my favorite episodes of Farscape, so I really liked that comparison. Messing, the, the, messing with time is so fun. Jay? The problem I have, Dag, with your thing, your explanation with the uh, Janeway, holographic Janeway, is that it's the same It's the same Janeway, because she, she knows what happens in each each time frame each ship she gets pushed to it's 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 not sure. it's not a distinct hologram in each one it's the the same one going from across all of them so, so it's J- like it's the same person as a hologram Janeway can project in multiple places simultaneously right right but, but her data core is still one place on the ship and the best thing the data core could do in this glitch moment was each individual projection exists in its own time frame. We'll merge it at the center, but until then. So, as evidence for your point there, okay. Dag, as evidence for it, remember later in the episode when Dreadnought deletes it, deletes Janeway? Yeah. Right. Uh, in another time segment or part of the ship or ship, uh, Rock Talk's not able to bring back Janeway until she repairs the actual damage to the computer core. So the Janeway is still very linked across them all. Right. Okay. And in Rock Talk's timeline, the Janeway memory core hasn't been completely purged. Yeah, the buffer hadn't cleared, so she just undid the delete, essentially. Because Rock Talk is basically living on a ship that's going to explode at the speed of zero. Correct. Yeah. Time was much slower yeah. on hers. Well, now that I cool. just wrapped my head around what would happen if somebody cloned my cell phone. <laughs> right. And then dived into a temporal so, wormhole. Yeah, go. So we see the purple blast expand throughout the ship. We see it interact with literally every member of the crew, even Murph and Dal, who's in his room, uh, before we cut back to Jankum and Janeway, who kind of, like, fizzes in multiple directions and, like, reforms solidly again. Like, my temporal settings are all over the place. What the hell just happened? Uh, and Jankum's like, we're going to have a core breach in 10 minutes. Uh, there's no way to prevent this. Hold on, let me try and slow it down. And he starts digging under the the panels, pulls out a wrench, and then it immediately goes boom. Uh, it didn't wait 10 minutes. Uh, and then Janeway's like, finds herself in another part of the ship, intact and perfectly fine, uh, and very confused. Because so, she doesn't, she doesn't know yet why ten minutes suddenly became no minutes. Seconds, right. Yeah. right? She does realize that again. There's only one person on this slice of the ship, so she finds Rock, who looks like she's been there alone for a while, and she even mentions it. She's like, "I was looking for you guys. Where did you guys all go? Where is everyone?" Uh, so she's been there a while, uh, and she tries to explain to Rock what she thinks is going on after taking her to the uh, engineering bay where Rock very quickly goes, it's never done that before, to the warp, to the proto-warp core. Um, Janeway explains, 
in a very high level way the situation and then shows a graphic of what will happen if Rock Talk doesn't help her stop it. It's an explosion. It's the whole thing going kablooey. Uh, Rock Talk can't handle this from an emotional perspective and says Janeway hologram off essentially. And Janeway poofs out of existence and appears in the next uh, shard. That had to be... Well, can you imagine being a child and having to put something together like that under that kind of pressure? Because isn't, isn't she, I guess for her species compared to ours, like a seven or eight year old child? We really don't know, right? Like Brickhart right. may live like a thousand years and the first like 80 are considered childhood. We don't really know the exact number for her, but we do know that she is certainly still a child. Oh, uh, yeah. Kind of like the child in The Mandalorian. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gro Grogu is like 60 or something. If 50. Yeah. Little baby child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it could be the same thing, right? She's, a, she's literally a walking rock, so maybe they just develop slow? Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so our next scene is now Janeway appearing. This time, instead of on the bridge, she appears in the the engineering bay uh, where they have the vehicle replicator. And she sees that Zero is already here, and Zero already understands what's going on, and already has a plan to deal with it. Uh, and Zero has a much better explanation as to what's going on, explains the whole sinusoidal wave pattern for how time is being compressed for some and expanded for others. Uh, Zero has once again mastered the problem better and faster than anybody else, and Janeway is just now catching up. Is, is it me or is this whole thing, this concept, I get the, the explanation of it, but for kids, it, to me it seemed like it was a bit much trying to explain um, different shifts in time, time dilation basically uh and that that's the one of the things i was kind of worried about with with a show that was uh, directed towards towards the younger ones is don't get too deep into the stuff that we know about trek and this one especially that scene seemed to do exactly that i i mean i can't imagine any of our kids watching that without us having to pause and do a you know, thorough explanation of how this is working. Good. Are they supposed to understand it on their own? No, it was hard I don't think that. they're supposed to. Yeah. No, I mean, so this, so Star Trek never really likes to talk down to its audience, right? It likes to treat right. them like they're grown ups or adults. And I think that the way that Janeway was having this conversation with Rock Talk was at a kid's level. Then Zero shows up and is supposed to be like, okay, here's the nitty gritty of it. Um, if you don't get it, that's fine. The rest of the episode does a good job of explaining it. Right. But Zero is the character that explains things best. poorly, I guess. Or, well, best if you're an adult, right? But for her, for their teammates, though, it might not be the easiest way. Probably. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't think this is an issue, but I do like the fact that Star Trek didn't dumb it down for kids because this concept isn't that crazy. Other shows have done this too. Uh, like the Voltron show that both Dag and I love, Legendary, or, yeah, Legendary Defender, uh, also had a time dilation episode. Or the, yeah. uh, no, the, the Netflix one. recent one. 
Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, they also had a time dilation episode where they were like, on different parts of the ship, the closer you were to the black hole, the slower your time was, and yeah. they were just like trying to figure things out like the same way. Yeah. They didn't have a smart exposition scene like this, but same kind of concept. Gotcha. Well, and Janeway repeats what Zero, how Zero explains it in much more layman's terms, which she's just like, up here, Jankum was in fast time, and down here, Rock Talk is in super slow time, and the further away you get it, the closer you get to real time. That that should be consumable. I watched yeah. Time Zero when I was like nine years old, and I got Time Zero, so should be okay but nobody likes that episode that episode doesn't mean anything it doesn't lead to anything it has no connections to anything we could just ignore it well contraire i know you don't feel that way i actually don't love right. time zero it's like not it's like one of my least favorite star trek time travel episodes but i am just kidding about it not having connections to anything i, I know right <laughs> now <laughs> right right asterisk more. see our specials on coda by the the authors Oof. Uh, okay, so Janeway has a good understanding of the problem, the pro the, but there's another problem, right? Right. That's where Zero asks, I need to know one thing just to map this out better. Who or, or, Was Rock's time slow or fast? And uh, Janeway goes, it was very, very slow. How slow? It was almost basically not moving. And that's when it clicks to Zero that uh, their time is probably accelerated. Uh, they've already got a plan for how to fix things. They've got this um, machine that they've built that they can just plug into the warp drive, which should allow it to essentially power the proto-warp uh, drive's shielding. Uh, and that's when the ship starts going critical. You start hearing the alarm bells, and Zero quickly realizes that, oh, I'm not going to have time to make this even though he's at the vehicle printer, so it was it was probable that he was going to try printing it to the same the same device, uh, but without a time, instead he creates a file and uploads it to Janeway's consciousness, so that Janeway has the file. She's got the blueprint is, on how to make it. Right. It's quick thinking on Zero's part. It's very mm -hmm. smart. Yeah. Very well, supportive. That's, that's what Zero does. What you'd expect from a science officer type. Yeah. I thought that the scene or the moment there where uh, Zero laments the fact that he doesn't have real hands, but his hands that he's using for this are so slow and clumsy was very interesting. Like that's definitely uh, telling something about like a wish to look different or a wish to be something different, uh, which I know kids can, you know, definitely understand, especially kids who may have a disability or something to that effect. Uh, it will definitely speak to them. Like look at this heroic character who understands and is smart but still has to overcome the sensibility of, you know, typing with, like, big robot claws. Wow, you're right. It begs, I never thought of that. It begs two questions for me. One, when is Zero going to get a hull upgrade? Because they deserve it 100%. And two, I don't want to become the Beyond Medusin podcast, and we can explore this later, but what is Medusin technology like? It's got to react to, you know, non-corporal energy of some kind. I'd be really interested in exploring that in a future episode. I hope we get that. I hope we get that in this. We should. Yeah. So our next scene is a very uh, Star Trek four style time travel scene, right? <laughs> Where after, like, in Star Trek four, when they do the time travel, like, they all start waking up and you see, like, their heads just, like, in space. 
with weird distortions and shit. Yep. And uh, this looked a lot like that, but instead of being like Uhura, Spock, Sulu, it's Rock Talk, Murph, Jankum. Yeah. And then Janeway coalesces. No, Big J, I don't have an explanation as to why that happened in Star Trek Four or why a Janeway hologram would experience it here. Suspend your disbelief, bro. Did did he have we done this long enough that you could like the wavelength? Yeah. I was thinking exactly that was I don't understand that whole thing in Star Jay, Trek Four. Why Jay, we know you well enough to know that when you've got beef cooking, we can smell it. Uh you can smell the beef. Yeah, right. it's it's just artistic <laughs> license is how I'll I'll take it right like yeah yeah or the subconscious filling in the blanks but the subconscious doesn't exist on a hologram so I don't know why she sees this that's but scary, yeah scary man you knew exactly what I was thinking temporary no, 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 no shit <laughs> and I'm that's got me worried <laughs> it's it's cached data fusing from three temporal frames that's all it is oh, okay right. works for yeah. me that's all it gotta is. clear your cache. Uh, but yeah, so this hologram version of Janeway pops up and goes, okay, whoever's here, we've got to build this thing. This is a slow time phase, so we'll have plenty of time to build it. Uh, here, Here's the diag... Oh, it's Murph's. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, then Murph wow. spits up something that he was eating in... A, a boot that he was eating in a in a in in an access corridor. Poor Murph. <laughs> Murph's just... Let's just get... Murph's just stuck here. Does that mean Janeway had to turn itself off? Because, like, the only way that Janeway passed from Rock Talk's time to to Zero's time was Rock Talk turning off Janeway. So in order for Janeway to pass by Murph here, no, I get, someone would I, have to deactivate the hologram. I got the well, impression. We that, oh. I was just going to say, besides what Rock Talk did, the impression I got was that each time the ship exploded that somehow that was just the next thing that happened was this hologram was pushed to to another one it, it's not that it was turned off it just kind of did well but in rock talks time the the ship never explodes right and and that's that's what doesn't match up because uh, in hers the ship didn't blow up she turned off Janeway but all the other ones, ship exploded, and Janeway did the same travel. So it's like the her means of point A to point B was more consistent about the ship blowing up than getting her program turned off. It's just about her program not being able to connect, right? Like if she turns mm -hmm. off, then she's not active on that version. If the ship blows up, she's not active on that version. Okay. So it just throws her to another shard. Uh, okay. What I will say though is, I don't think she probably waited around. She probably turned herself off like the EMH did. Remember that scene where uh, Janeway and the EMH have this conversation about, like, I want the permission to turn myself off, and I want nobody else to turn me off when they leave the room, right? Like, I have paperwork I need to do, and when people leave the room, they go EMH off, and I can't finish my work or whatever. And she, like, officially gives the EMH permission to turn itself on and off. That kind of thing is probably what the Janeway hologram here has. I can turn okay. myself off. I don't want to spend a month with Murph right now. Send me to the next shard. <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. How long was, was Murph's shard? <laughs> it was less long than Rock Talks, but it was probably pretty long. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Janeway, we then see her load into her next shard of the ship. 
and this one is with Dow, and she starts in Dow's quarters, uh, which is interesting in and of itself, but Dow is playing a game, uh, a puzzle game of some kind, that looks like Snake. Yeah. Oh, it did. It's good to, nice to see that that game is still going in the 24th century. It will always live long and prosper. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Janeway kind of like messes with him. Uh, the thing is starting to move faster. Like the game's speed has changed, uh, which fits with the whole temporal anomaly that they're in, right? So the game just suddenly sped up and, okay, cool, fits the story. Uh, Janeway explains to him exactly what's going on. And for a minute there, Dow is like, okay, sure, this is another training bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, but he quickly snaps out of that and... Uh, he sets off on a mission with Janeway to build the device that he needs. Uh, after some initial hesitation, he's like, there's no way I can build that. Are you kidding? Uh, but... I, I, I didn't... I was surprised that he thought it was too complex for him. He, he seems to be a natural at that kind of thing, but yeah, it it probably was pretty daunting. It was a, a warp matrix that was that was created... Um, what I'm sorry, was it was it Zero who made it? It was just like yeah. we don't have the warp matrix, so I made one up. And here's how you do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that it was definitely an invention, or at least it was this design came from Zero. Mm -hmm. uh, as for why Dal didn't think he could do it, probably honestly his just own self doubt, right? Like he had right. just failed the previous training uh, with the chicken, the fox. And then just before that, they'd failed their first contact situation. So he's probably really down on himself. So, yeah, yeah I can totally see, like, after that being like, really? You think I can save us? I'm useless, lady. Go away. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, to no one's surprise, he does actually have a good idea first. He goes to the repl vehicle replicator and tries to print it. But the vehicle replicator is LaFucked, uh, probably for the reason that we discussed before, yep. but they don't realize that yet. Uh, he does say that there is some uh, foreign code that seems to be a large foreign code that is preventing him from using it. Wasn't but like they out don't of toner. Further than that. <laughs> like out of toner or something? It's like out of filament, man. It's a 3D printer. <laughs> Where are right. you going to find printer ink? Out here. HP delivers. They, they do they go to the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. All right. So Dal then looks at these schematics and he actually starts work on building it. He puts it together. Uh, we can see it. It does not look the same as the picture, but according to Janeway, he did it. He built it, uh, and it looks pretty functional. Well, it was they the IKEA to... of warp matrices. It doesn't mm. look like the picture. That's IKEA. Uh, everything I've made from IKEA looks like the picture. I think this is more like, this is the bargain bin version of a warp matrix. So this kind of goes back to what... Got it from wish.com. What I think Yes. <laughs> wish.com warp matrix, 39, 999.95. Um, this kind of goes back to what Jay was saying about, you You think Dal, who you know kind of had an aptitude for this, would jump at the chance. Here he's expressing that he does have an aptitude for this, but he was overcome by his sense of failure from the previous episode. Yeah. Just assume he wouldn't be able to do it. Which, again, is something that's going to speak to kids, right? To yeah. the young family members who are watching this being like, 
the teacher wants me to do like multiplications tables. I'm still struggling with my addition and subtraction, right? But you can overcome it if you work hard at it. These are the kinds of lessons that you want kids to take from an episode like this. It's perseverance helps you overcome things. Yeah. So I like to think that motivation comes after you start. Like the desire to overcome when you start, when you finally start the task, your brain starts going into problem solving mode. But beforehand, you can be, I have been, you know, just sitting on the couch being like, huh, anxiety's my friend today. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But where can I get a Delta screwdriver? Did you see the rivets in this thing? They have little deltas imprinted in the screwdrivers. Like, first I had a socket wrench, then I needed a star drive. Ah, star drive. You know, <laughs> then you've got like the nine star torque wrench that you need to use. Now we have yeah, delta wrench. And I feel like the oh, delta. I wanted to point out. I wanted to point out something about his tools that he's using for this. I thought was really neat. Those are all uh, Jankum's tools. So. Even though Jankum's not there, Jankum's tools were necessary to build this thing. Uh, so yeah. I thought that, that was a cool callback to it. This is not the your Starfleet issue cool stuff. Though, of course, there is a uh, flux coupler in there. I do recognize the flux coupler because Garrick stabbed the man with it once. But we couldn't get any self-sealing stem bolts in this episode. There's a spark plug on it, like a real car spark plug at the bottom left of the thing, right? It's yes. Like picture 194. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely a kludged together, cobbled together nightmare, but if it manages to work, and Janeway, who watched him do it, seems to think it will, this is great. So he picks the damn thing up, he lugs it over to engineering, the core starts going on the fritz, it starts going kablooey, uh, and he starts trying to plug it in, and at that moment he realizes that he used the wrong kind of plug, so the interfaces don't match, he used USB micro when he needed USB-C, (laughs) <laughs> and it just doesn't doesn't fit. He doesn't have time to fix it. And Janeway tells him that she is proud of him. He holds her hand, and the thing explodes. He needs it. Well, was it that he he made it wrong or didn't realize at the time that he needed that adapter? He I, made I thought... it probably exactly the way Zero gave him the drawing. So uh-huh. Zero probably didn't know that it was necessary. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so now remember, that. Zero wasn't in engineering when they designed it. Zero was right. in the replicator bay. Yes. Need an adapter. Where the hell is a micro center when you need it out there and wherever they are? Yep. All right, so we cut to another travel scene for Janeway. This time she goes past Dal specifically. So it still follows through with this whole like, these are the cached consciousnesses remerging as she's going through it, which was cool. And she ends up on Gwyn's uh, shard of the story. I like, uh, and I this like one, shard. Shard's a good one. I'm just using a gaming term for it at this point, really. Well, it's really reminiscent of the Voyager episode that was a lot like this called Shattered. You shatter a mirror, yeah. there oh. are shards, and there are different time frames on the on the one ship. So this is a, just, a, just a little variant here. I like it. Yeah, I almost wore my variant t-shirt for this. But there wasn't actually like mirror universe variants or anything. You should. Uh, but on this, yeah. Well, on this shard, we've actually got the vehicle replicator working, and it starts to print Dreadnought, and it's working here because they are now closer to real time. So Dreadnought starts being formed. Uh, Gwyn and Janeway don't realize this yet, but Gwyn is already going through uh, the ship, trying to find a 
suitable adapter for the warp matrix and finding nothing I okay tell me again the whole dreadnought thing uh, that was that was early uh, beginning of the episode his blueprint got got pushed over that was the his entire mission that was his mission the entire time it's yeah. just he was stuck in the, the same well but wait a minute why wasn't he put together faster in Jenkins Pog's shard because well he might have been but the shard only existed for five seconds true so okay yeah the only one where he might have appeared sooner uh, is probably I don't know Murphs? zero but in zeros no in zeros he might have started printing Okay. But there just wasn't enough time. It's a huge program, so it probably needs to like truly collate for a while. Right, and on any right. shards that are moving slower, it's going to take too long. On the shards that are moving faster, mm -hmm. the shards themselves cease to exist before he would have had a chance. Yeah, it's got to take time to spool. Spooling. Yeah. Spooling print. All right. Yeah, so in this shard, Gwyn is definitely trying to find the warp matrix adapter. Uh, she says she can't find it, and that's when they realize that... Dreadnought is coming up out of the vehicle bay uh, and she decides that she's going to try fighting him. Uh, because Ooh why not? Wee. That's terrifying. What, what happened to the phasers all of a sudden and the weapons that were on the ship? Do you want to use a, a phaser during a temporal anomaly? That seems like a bad idea. Well, sure, but so is trying to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a big ass robot i have i have a continuity issue but i want to wait till the end okay we'll get there when we get there all right okay did you guys notice that this version of dreadnought is much simpler than his previous version yes it's a I compressed program yeah right he's got the same head the same like epaulettes around the neck Frame. but the arms are different the legs are different the torso is totally different uh, the color is obviously different across the whole thing, but it's just a much more simple one. He doesn't have four arms or anything, or the spider legs, nothing. He's right. just humanoidish. Uh, yeah, it was a backup program. Yep. <laughs> Dreadnought he also, light. He also doesn't appear to have like the guns built into his arms either, which was nice. Yeah. So definitely a more slimmed down, streamlined version of him, which is yeah. great if you just need <sighs> to print yourself real quick to cause some hell I like so how my thought was actually slightly different my thought was that so you know how uh, in TNG I think that there's a brief mention of like replicating weapons when the ship is being boarded but they need to release certain codes to be able to use the replicators to make phasers um, yeah. TNG uh, I think it was TNG I think it was doing like the Angosians or something were the ones that were boarding it. It was the Roga Dinar. It's the Roga Dinar episode, I think. Oh. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't... I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't recall that. Okay, that's fine. Uh, My point yeah. is just maybe the vehicle replicator can't print weapons without a human intervention or like a person specifically giving access or codes to it. Mm -hmm. So if he tried to print himself in his default state, uh, it wouldn't have let him. So they knew that the send, they had to send like a simpler more slimmed down version of it to do it properly interesting thing about this simpler slimmed down version it still has scuffing on all the edges like the, oh, 3D, the 3d print pattern had scuffing around 
the edges on the those, right. those shoulder Why? pads and the collar there, and even on parts of the little. And we didn't need I that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look shiny and new. You're right. It should look totally shiny and new. Mm-hmm. But I think it looks cool. It might just be a stylistic thing. It it might have just been a uh, digital self image file. I don't know. Yeah. It's cool. I love yeah. what happens here. Yeah. So he goes to the bridge. Uh, Janeway tries to talk him out of doing things. He using Chakotay like Chakotay's actual access codes deletes the the Janeway program, and uh, he starts setting. Of course, uh, Gwyn is essentially flung aside, useless. She looks injured. Uh, it's not going to work, she tells him, because the ship's warp drive or the proto-warp drive is about to explode. We, we can't fix it. We have this warp matrix, but we need this adapter, and we can't find one. There's not one on the ship, so it's going to explode. He takes, like, two seconds, <laughs> thinks about it, and then runs over to like a specific locker it looks like or like a i don't know some kind of jeffrey's tube door or something roots around inside and rips out exactly the right adapter so either one of two things has happened either one he scanned the ship using those built-in eyes or something to find this component very quickly very effectively or two he knows the construction of the ship well enough to know where he would find one of those I think, I think I, it's two. I, I was going to say, I think I like two a little better. E- each one is a stretch, but two I like better than than the first one. Yeah. Like, we know he spent time on the ship, right? So he, was he there. must have known. And, and he's got Chakotay's co- uh, codes, command codes. We don't know what happened to the crew or the captain. But, yeah, I this see, thing and I almost... has... I almost felt like he used Chakotay's voice when he was deleting. I think you, he would have to. He would. He would have to. Yeah, because the the codes are voice printed. Yeah. It's it's not just a matter of repeating what it is. It, it's it's the computer needs to hear it come from that person. Extra security measure. Mm-hmm. So either it was in oh. our heads that it was his voice. I also or, thought it was his voice, but yeah, I, I think it was. All right, so Sheen ends out, or this time shard ends up with uh, Gwyn and Dreadnought going down to engineering. He starts plugging things in. Gwyn is really smart and sets off the, uh, like, opens the hatch to the outer outer space and uh, vents the atmosphere and vents Dreadnought out there with it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the warp matrix goes too because it wasn't properly secured. So... Her timeline is a loss, uh, but she is super smart and leaves a message uh, in the computer system, which is shared still across the various shards, to inspire somebody else who may still be able to save them all. I would I thought... like. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Dak. Uh, just I want to point out that Robert Beltran is credited in this episode. Ah, so good. So then okay. it probably was his voice. It had to be. Well, the opening of the airlock was a great idea, but I could see that coming. She just sort of sat and watched it happen too long, and then, well, but then I don't, she had no reason to think that the thing was not secure enough to not get sucked out of there. Now, 
Okay, so this guy getting sucked out of the airlock, tell me that this was not an almost scene-by-scene scene of um, Revenge of the Sith when the same thing happened to General Grievous near the <laughs> beginning of the of the movie. Go go back and watch episode three. During you mean the, when he uh, breaks the glass and goes out the glass intentionally? Yes. Jumps out? Yes. I just, it was the first thing in my head when this happened. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Yeah. It's not every day you see a robot fly out into space. True. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So all after right. this, does this where the shard shifts after all? Yeah, of that here's happens? the shard shift. Exactly. She she goes back to the bridge and leaves a message in the last few moments she's got. But we shift over back to Rock Talk's timeline or time shard at this point, and uh, it shows us just how much time has passed again, because we now see the entirety of the mess hall. Every table has plates on them. They are stacked five or six high. And, tons of places all over and it is all that nutrient goop that uh, Rock Talk eats and she is there literally everywhere she just hasn't done the dishes I mean it's a great narrative plot device to be like time has passed oh my gosh but dishes would have been done somebody put that schnet back in the replicator please <laughs> I want to know and this kind of comes up again later and we can talk about it more later I want to know how much time went by for this this poor girl. Yeah, we'll never know for sure, but I'm in the book that it must have been many, many months, if not years. Jesus. I'm leaning towards years. I, I feel like there was a scene near the end where just before the, the shard shifting ended that showed Rock Talk's eye was kind of messed up. Like, blind? Don't, I don't know. Think so. Maybe I missed it, but we'll get there in the screenshots. Okay. But it, it, it definitely drew my curiosity. So we cut to this scene of like Rock Talk eating. She walks out of the mess hall. She goes to bed in one of the bunks and she's got this like little Murph plush that she's clutching. Uh, she has decorated the bunks of other people around the room with all of things that they would have been associated with. So like Jankum Pog's bed has all of his tools next to it. Uh, Zero's bed has a whole lot of science and science pads and such on it. Uh, she went all out in like bringing things from around the ship to help her remember those people that she's lost uh, and it's very clearly not something that was done all at once it's this is the, this is a month's work of work months worth of work in collecting all this stuff and setting it up I think really interesting that she didn't think to reactivate the Janeway program she's the one who deactivated it She's she probably is terrified of putting all of all that pressure being put on her again. Well, you got there's... competing forces in that. You've got the the terror of the pressure and then the fear of loneliness. Yeah, that that's so, the first thing I would have I would have thought. We don't know if the Brickar are very solitary creatures, but there are plenty of creatures, even just in Earth's biomes, that like they meet to mate they break and then they don't hang out until they need to mate again kind of thing like that's it they they live solitary and alone lives i'm i'm countering myself now the reason she couldn't just reactivate the janeway program is because she has to fix it well she has to fix it at some point we don't know where exactly in her timeline dreadnought's deletion of it 
triggered it needing to be fixed. Right, but trying to figure out when in her timeline and when in somebody else's timeline stuff happened is is beyond. Yeah, that's like interstellar stuff. I'm yeah. not doing that. Yeah, oh, no, we're, we're not here for that. <laughs> it's the beyond, but, but beyond. Point, though, right? But you see my point, though, right? Like it yes. might have been like a couple weeks where she could have reactivated Janeway, but she didn't. And then after that, she couldn't reactivate yeah. Janeway. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. All right, so cut to a dream sequence of Rock Talk seeing her memories of the attempt with the fox, the chicken, and the grain. Uh, she looks very happy, and then she realizes <laughs> she's got a new message from someone, and she very excitedly listens to this message from Gwyn telling her that you can do this. There is this thing. It's in order to save us all. I believe in you. It is the very heartwarming, like, encouragement message. Uh, Rock Talk is, like, reaching out to touch her, uh, and then it cuts out because the message is over. Yeah. She also included the total uh, plans for making the warp matrix in and the coupler that they needed inside of her message. So Rock Talk had it to start. Which was very smart. Again, this crew is very smart about telling other members how to do a thing that I can't do. Because remember, Zero left this as a message, and then it's been updated, and they've learned from each other as they've gone. Uh, they obviously... I don't think they could have done this without Janeway's additional pushing of some people to try and further things along. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're not that far off from just having been able to do it themselves. They are very close uh, to just, like, leaving each other messages and having other people pick up the slack where they can't do it themselves. And they didn't know who was going to get the updated info. It was just, here it is, think, hope the next person knows what to do with it. I think Gwyn might have known that Rock was the last one that was going to survive because Janeway had already been to Rock's timeline, or time shard. Yeah, that's how I took it. Okay, alright, I could, I could see that. I think making Janeway the, the, the common messenger helped because Janeway is unassuming and has no agenda. Right. And, and the, the, the other characters can just trust that Janeway will have their best interests at heart. If it had been Dahl or Jankum or anybody else who had been the messenger there, I don't think things would have turned out the same, let alone successfully. I agree. Why, why is I think that? The disconnected, uh... Well, I think the disconnectedness makes them all miss each other, right? Like, Jankum did not have time to realize that he was the only one on the ship. He might have realized, but there's no time to react in his case but uh rock talk definitely realized she was alone and that changes her behavior zero definitely realized he was one that changed his behavior and then his behavior ended because he died same thing with all the rest right like they all started realizing except for dal that they were the only one on the ship and that changed things dal didn't realize because he was in, a, in an accelerated timeline and he'd just been in his room for like a while just moping and when you're depressed and moping time can definitely fly by yeah definitely uh, an interesting comparison across timelines there. Mm -hmm. So we cut to a beautiful little scene, which is the image right behind me. It is Rock standing at the Starfleet Delta behind the bridge, like deciding what to do, uh, like really struggling with how to approach this. Uh, and then she makes a choice and walks off. And then the next bit we find her it looks like she's back in the mess hall. She's fitzing with one of the computer systems on the side. It's not a replicator, but it's something on the computer side. 
Uh, it's, I, it's actually very close to where Dread pulled out the coupler. It is. It's the, it's the one over from the one where he pulled out yeah. the coupler, but he pulled the one out on the left, and she's going for the one in the center. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought that she was just trying to find parts for building her warp matrix. Turns out I was wrong. She was just rebooting Janeway. She managed to recover Janeway. So Rock is amazing and rebuilt Janeway's program from what was left in the buffer that did not get purged. Uh, by There's a restore point. Yep. <laughs> restore from backup. Save often, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making backups sucks. Nobody likes making backups, but restoring when you get it done properly feels so good because it just it saves you. I, I have a backup drive plugged into my computer that live drives, and then I have a. Uh, an SD card here that has a full system backup in it. I need multiple backups, all of them. The cloud backup is is the big thing because yeah, having those physical backups is great, but you know what if you're out of your place and it just explodes? Well, now your backups are gone. So I'll be honest, if my place explodes, I'm not. My first thought is definitely not. What about my saved documents? It's gonna be like, oh shit, my place exploded. Yeah, but there's no. Nope, that means... can be rebuilt. There could be pictures that you you could never duplicate or get back. Or you're right. You know, yeah, it just so, means I have to take this with me wherever I go now. It's got a handy <laughs> and a little handle. I got it for Christmas. It's really cool. Is that is that an enclosure? Yeah. I like that house. Oh. It, it holds all of my cards, and I have my recovery drive on a 128 gig card right here. Ooh, okay. So you're ready to go. You need to put that in a secret place, man. Well, Secure. no one knows where I live yet. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> hey, you guys are my friends. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we get to this cool... Well, you don't, maybe. Anyways, we get to this great scene where the Janeway hologram like reactivates, and she thanks and asks Rock how she did it, and thanks her for doing it. Rock explains, oh, I just had to do this other little thing, and I figured it out, and now you're back. It only took me 270-something attempts, and you can see the glass where she has used her finger to just make hash marks as she went, uh, which was great. So it's clearly another thing to show us that Rock has been here a long time, and uh, she I, has learned a lot. I have to ask, like, how many times did she fail before she started keeping track? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> there could have been another couple dozen. Just, you know, at some point you realize, I should really rev the build number here. <laughs> <laughs> so we get this cool bit here, and this was my favorite little reveal, honestly, uh, where Janeway goes, well, why did you bring me back if you had already made the warp matrix? camera pans over to the perfect pristine warp matrix that looks much better than anything anybody else built in the entire time no no and she no, was, no uh no spark plug either nope no spark plug and uh i missed you like that's a perfectly valid reason right like yeah. i wanted you to be here for it uh and nobody told me where to plug it in yeah which is a very good reason for <laughs> for needing janeway to come back too that's a good point they all focused on how to build it what to have and the parts but not where to plug the damn thing in. Ah, way to go, Rock. So, 
Yeah, Janeway expresses a lot of, like, pride in how Rock managed to do this, no matter how long it took. They go downstairs to the engineering bay. Rock Talk plugs it in, plugs in the coupler side of things. And we see the purple pulses that went out flutter back towards the, the warp core. So this is the scene where I thought Rock Talk was like super aged. I was like, something happened to her eye. But all I know is she's blinking when she does the plug-in. She's like, and then the blinking is the little eye closure there. All right. Yeah, I think, so people do that, right? Like they'll close one eye and, and squint when they do things. I think that's all it was. Yeah, no, I you totally- think it's gonna explode? Totally believe that. I just, my brain was like, is this another way that the show's trying to tell us that time has passed? Because I, and I know I would have thought, I would have seen it sooner. Like it would have just been present sooner, but. Also, if you go a little bit later, a couple a couple shots later, both her eyes are back to open and perfectly normal. Yeah. Don't you do that when you build a new computer and you're going to press the power button that first time? I do I that when time. I tie my shoes. Around <laughs> 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 ah, the tree. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Left one's done. Right! Uh, yeah, no, I feel because you. we've gotten into our loopy time. We're, it's it's after midnight. This is the dangerous. Yeah, We're almost we, done. Don't you worry. Done. Okay, We're almost done. God. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is beautiful. I love the pink goo flying through the ship. Oof. Yeah. Well, it's flying back in now, thankfully. So we get this moment where everything settles back down, and everybody who was on the ship before sort of like just reappears, and there is this very surreal scene where I don't remember who it was. I think it was Jankum Pog says it, but it's like, I distinctly remember not existing. Yes. And now I exist again. And that's Jank like... I loved it. I don't understand <laughs> it. From like a philosophical, <laughs> metaphysical standpoint, like mm -hmm. I don't understand how you can uh, comprehend at the time that you don't exist that you right. don't exist. I would like to use the wise words of the greatest man in Starfleet, Chief miles edward o'brien mm -hmm. and and convey that i hate temporal mechanics right there yes. with you on this yeah i mean remember o'brien spends the rest of the series having replaced his past self who died weird but okay right because Here why not go you know what i i wonder if it's something because this is something to do to give yourself an existential crisis what is it like when you cease to exist do you nope. feel like you're just sitting in a room of black i don't know we don't have the time for this nope. big j okay. we'll be here all week no 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 we're not going to become nope. the beyond life podcast <laughs> not yet anyway right <laughs> Well, don't worry. We've seen the uh, the tree or the the timeline for when new episodes of Star Trek are going to be coming out for the next like six months. We yeah. might be the Beyond Life podcast by the end. We're going to so. be busy. Oh Gold God! Show. Yes. <laughs> so, so there's going to be weeks there where there's episodes of Discovery and Picard on the same week. Are you serious? Like three weeks in even... a row. Oh Jesus! I don't even want to think about that yet. You yeah. know what I'm going to say? You guys know me long enough. What am I going to say, Renzo? 
you're going to say that they're oversaturating the market, that this is going to shoot hit, shoot them in the foot, that this is too much Trek all at once. There you go. And I was going to say I got beef, go. but it's the same thing, so. It's beef. We both got beef. Uh, it's the same beef. It's like a double beef sandwich. Or a double decker Anyways, taco. let's finish this episode. We're almost done. We've got a group hug to get to, which is important. Yeah, okay. this uh, was so sweet. Yeah, so the four people who had or who disappeared or died, whatever, uh, are there commiserating about like, well, we're back. Somebody must have figured it out. Who did it? And then Rock and Janeway walk in, and Rock's first thing is, "Hey guys, we should probably reevaluate what you guys keep calling me because I'm not the security officer, right?" And then she mentions that she taught herself quantum mechanics and warp yeah. engineering and and mathematics and just had to teach herself all these things. Uh, and then Gwyn and everybody else runs in for a hug. Uh, it's very sweet moment. Even Murphs has climbed up on her shoulder. Uh, everybody's having a good time. Uh, but Dread, sorry, but Gwyn walks over to the Janeway and they share a knowing glance about what they experienced with Dreadnought that the rest of the crew simply does not know about. Yeah. So, but let's not let's hope they talk about that and not do the stupid horror movie trope of keeping the secret that would have saved everybody from the beginning. Agreed. Oh no, that would make that make no sense. They shouldn't. But yeah. how? All right. So are we are we at a point where we can maybe take a, a, a guess, just educated guess between the three of us, how long Rock Top was, was no, by herself? We're not there yet. Not yet. No, no, because there's there's a there's an epilogue to the episode right it almost felt like an after the credits scene but yeah so we cut back down to the vehicle replicator downstairs and the things of it's not running but it is still turned on and the print heads on it still look like they're shiny and, and they were going but the dreadnought print attempt is definitely failed uh his body is broken it's not connected and it's not making more but the light turns on in one of the eyes, ominously like in a horror movie, uh, suggesting that some level of the consciousness still did make it to the ship. Yep. Also notable, this version of it doesn't have as many scuffs as the previous one. Uh, while that's true, yeah. Uh, it still has plenty of scuffs. Um, I'm feeling like homing device or some kind of hacking device now present on on protostar that could do bad things from the inside but Maybe somebody head deploys to... a set of legs like the buzzbots in star wars episode three and just kind of like yeah. scuttles around fucking with things all around yeah i <laughs> i i still think it would be incumbent on gwen and janeway knowing this is happening they should have immediately run down here because what's to stop Dreadnought? they may have no they may have that's probably why the print on it failed okay no that's not that's bad that's not bad let's just hope like the next scene is them going well we're certainly glad we got rid of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah like sweep it out the out of a force field into open space yeah love it i'm here for it that'd be great the only thing that i can think of now is that dreadnought could just initiate the program again well, now that they know that, so they if they put together everything they know, they understand how this happened. It's a large file that got uploaded remotely to the vehicle printer. The large file was Dreadnought. It was Dreadnought's consciousness and had command codes to the ship. If you put everything that everybody knows together about this issue, they'll know they got to purge 
memory on the ship. They've got to start stripping out anything that might be Valnicott code okay. uh, from their computers. I'm I'm hoping that's a thing that happens. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, now can we do Jay's thing about speculating how long... Oh, no. One, I've got one thing I want to bring up here that'll okay. ha that may color how we approach this. Okay. So I did a recent big marathon watch of time loop episodes across sci-fi. So not any single show, but just time loop episodes. Stargate came up, Farscape came up, uh, Killjoys came up, Black uh, Black Matter came up. So I watched a shit ton of these, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Legends of Tomorrow, the Mar or the DC Universe show even has one, right? Yeah. And yeah. in most of these shows, when they do a time loop episode, one of the things that they always have a character do is like they teach themselves French because it's something that people would never expect them to do just to show that I have had months to learn this, right? And they don't show it, but they show you that they've learned it or that they've learned to play the violin or the clarinet or something that takes time, but from one day to the next they learn this as a character so that they can prove to us that it's happening, right? Okay. I would yeah. like to hypothesize that considering how many things Rock had to teach herself, this is at least like a three semesters of college kind of thing for her, right? Like, this is mathematics, uh, warp engineering, quantum mechanics, whatever. All Each one of those is like a semester-long course from Starfleet Academy that she took in the holodeck or from reading the books or something, right? Like, this is... She was in there for years is my is my argument now. I'm with years at this point. I, I'm going to go with definitely years. Like, three to five, ten on the outside just to teach somebody all of those things and to do it correctly. Hollow imaging, data reconstruction... Quantum physics, computer sciences, computer all science, of it. Yeah. warp theory, and just that's that's a lot of stuff. Um, I'd like to time, uh, what's the word? Make it like time specific though. Like some concepts that we have today that are taught in schools were concepts that were thousands of years ahead, thousands of years ago. You know, uh, Archimedes and and Newton and and those guys, their theories weren't you know high school subject e equals mc2 is taught in elementary school you don't really understand it until you get through high school and take some entry level physics classes but it's it's just some of those things where from rock talks perspective those kinds of things could be within her grasp which means you know she didn't need as much time as say we would to comprehend these things that's fair, but she is also quite young, or she was quite young at the start of this, so I'm actually more interested... So I expect that her character is going to evolve from this a bit. She's definitely going to be a bit more relevant for scientific discussions and such, but I want to see the emotional maturity that came out of this, too. She's not going to react to duty and bad news in a childish fashion. I'm hoping that she has learned from this and reacts much more maturely. So just to note that children on the, next, on the Enterprise D... And in the bow breaks, we're learning calculus in grade school. That's right. Makes sense. Just, just to to time, make that time relative, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, so I say years. You say years. Jay? All right. So I would, I would like to think that the intention behind naming all these things that she learned or taught herself was just to convey that there was time 
spent not a short amount of time, but so that the viewers and audience would know that, well, it was more than a couple days. However, I would really hope that they weren't trying to imply that this child was left alone in seclusion for years. No, they definitely I, are implying that. They absolutely are implying that. Well, okay. Could we say that she was able to do this? Is, is there any evidence of like um, heightened learning or cognitive skills where we could say that she was there by herself for a couple weeks? Are we, are we really, are we really getting, making it clear to kids that this child was alone for a few years by herself? Yeah, I think so. It seems pretty clear. But to kids? Yeah. I mean, in a... 252 or 272 attempts to restore the Janeway program, right? Like, that's going to take time in and of itself. And they made it clear that she's been here alone with the bowls, with the mess, with the collecting of items and the making of beds for other people. I think they did a good job of showing that poor Rock Talk here was left alone. But I do expect that a tyke that's going to watch this episode is going to be like, Dad, how long was she really alone? And the dad's going to be like, or the mom is going to be like, I don't know. It must have been a very long time because she got, she learned a lot. She did a lot of work, but she was definitely alone a long time. There's no definite number here. Right. Yeah, and I, I get that. I think it, it's probably just because that's the that's the parent in me that I, I don't think that the, excuse me, that the thought that I would want kids to have is just the thought of what would it be like if you were alone to fend for yourself for... I mean, this is hardly an original thing for this episode, though, right? Like, I think Jimmy Neutron has an episode where he's all alone on a moon for, like, the whole episode. There's an episode of Fairly Odd Parents where I think he wishes for some time alone, and so the fairies, like, give him, like, erase everybody else from reality. There's episodes of all sorts of kids' cartoons that treat this approach, like, trying to be alone may seem like an appealing thing for a moment but once you really think about it you want other people even if you feel overwhelmed lots of shows well, dexter's lab did this too let's let's also consider how rock talk handled being alone rock talk uh -huh. didn't didn't fall into despair sure rock talk had moments laying on the bed being sad that your friends are gone creating virtual shrines to them by getting all of their things together around those beds but rock talk also decided I'm not gonna let this beat me. I'm not gonna spiral into despair about this. There are still people who are depending on me, who need me, and I can help. And so Rock Talk did what needed to be done to rise to that challenge. And I think that's an important message to kids is like, even if you think you're alone, there are people who love you, there are people who depend on you, there are people who care about you, and rising to the challenge can be how you overcome the issue. It doesn't necessarily need to be, I'm alone and overcoming the issue is not being alone, but it's a good metaphor for saying, sometimes you have to push through when it's hard. Well, yeah. and I, I think everything that was said in these scenes uh, makes what I, I would like what I would want my guests to be just like it's it's not happening Big J I would love to have thought that it was a few months 
but they really seem to be hammering home that more than a year is not outside of the realm possibility as to what it was. So I guess I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm with years, year, maybe, hopefully just one or two. I mean, we can we can put things together. We can be like, you know, we haven't really seen Rock Talk apply herself in a scholarly matter before. Could right. very well be that once she hit the books, everything just kind of came to her. She got it. Mm -hmm. Maybe she wasn't there for three to ten years. Maybe she was there for a year, 18 months. You know, if she's particularly gifted, six months. Right. Um, but I can think of a lot of kids who'd be like, six months without my parents? Party! <laughs> <laughs> but after day two. <laughs> and you think of some characters on the show who would be like that. <laughs> Where's the food? Mom! Yeah, no, I totally understand that. Uh, I can we... still think of some characters on the show who, if you gave them that same story of like, hey, you've got six months without anybody to stop you or tell you what to do, do whatever you want, they would just party. I can totally imagine it. I mean, the Dal. Again after day two. <laughs> Dal just hit the game. Right, yeah. Just yep. playing a game. So I am gonna, uh, I'm gonna go with my continuity issue. And I just okay. want it to be, I want it to be out of my mouth and I don't want to think about it anymore. And we can just end the show on that note, let the audience be like, what just happened? But. What you got? Okay, so we can see the first time Janeway goes to Rock Talk's timeline that the materials around Rock Talk are moving very slow to, to uh, accentuate the, the, the expansion of the dilation of time that Rock Talk's in. So question number one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the end here, and then I'm gonna be like, okay, I'm done. Uh, question number one is why weren't the characters also similarly sped up or slowed down based on their own time frames? And number two, if there's something unique about being a biological organism aboard in this expanded or dilated time frame, how come Dreadnought was uh, what would be unaffected by that phenomena or was? included in the time thingy. I don't know. I have a theory. Does it involve O'Brien? No, it's called the observer effect. Yes. Okay. If you have something that's being observed that changes the way it behaves, right? Yes. Ooh. How about if you have something that's being experienced that changes the way it behaves in this situation? So here you've got Janeway experiences things and that changes why she's working at a different time. Uh, you've got Rock Talk, again, an animate creature who experiences things, is able to move at her rel her normal relative speed, but the universe of, of inanimate objects around her does not. Dreadnought is sentient and conscious, so he experiences things, and that changes the way it behaves again. Interesting. Does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, I have also seen, like, there was an episode of TNG or something like that where Data said that he could adjust the way that he perceives time and react accordingly. So Dreadnought being an android could probably do the same thing. All and right. You can like clock a CPU up or down. Yeah, he just overclocks himself. Burns out the RAM. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. This was uh, this was a, a, another really fun episode in a string of really fun episodes. Mm -hmm. um, I liked it a lot. Uh, well, yeah. uh, we learned teamwork. 
Yeah. Learning is half the battle. I'm still sad that we didn't get the sex ed episode named Amuck Time or Time Amuck, because I think it's just such a perfect name convention for it. But if, it was a really good episode. If I, there's a sex ed yeah. episode of, of this thing, I'm done. But I really liked that the episode fit anyway. Time has run amok. Yes, yes. no, I, I get that for sure. I love that. Now, okay, yes, it'd be great to get the sex ed episode. Here's the birds and the bees. <laughs> and Doll's like, I know this, I'm out. <laughs> well, I thought I heard that they don't even teach that anymore. Nandi tried to show me, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I told him about it. I didn't show uh, them. So. Depends on where you live, Big J. Depends on where you live. Gotcha. And uh, with that... Yeah, I, I'd give this a show like an 8 out of 10, maybe a 9 out of 10. I really did like this one. It was a very well-made episode. I think it's another episode that was uh, written by the same guy who did the Kobayashi Maru episode. Um, oh. So that's a great sign. Uh, I think it was just Kobayashi. Or, sorry, Kobayashi episode, but yeah. 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 Very interesting that a lot of the episode titles for this show are reflections on episode titles from Discovery Season 4 and other previous uh, incarnations of Trek. I, I kind of dig mm -hmm. that. Um, that being said, I uh, really appreciate uh, the listeners and the viewers for hanging out with us for our uh, extended reviews of Star Trek Prodigy. Look for us next week for the next episode of Prodigy and thank you for always going boldly with the On Trek podcast. Hey everybody, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our Patreon and Anchor supporters. Big thanks to Stephanie Baker, S. Tam, Anne Marie, Jim Cook, and Nora Hickson. We really appreciate your support. Thanks for being a part of Beyond Trek Podcast. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.